0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Justin. I'm Wyatt. On today's show, we're going to be doing a mock draft for everyone to get you ready for your final drafts that you have coming up. As always, we're going to do some recent NFL news. But before we get to that, I want to talk to everyone about how we now have a website up and running. You can find it at jwbfantasyfootball.com. On the website, you will find all the official jwb rankings projections we'll be putting up articles and much more you can even sign up to get email notifications when we put up new content so please go check it out and let us know what you think but now let's get to some nfl news our first piece of news is that tyrell williams is officially out for the season we heard last week that he had a torn laborman in his shoulder but he was going to try and play through it but now it's official he's done we kind of talked about this already we didn't think he was going to be much a factor before we Definitely didn't think he was going to be a factor when he first got the injury. We're still kind of thumbs up on the Raiders receivers now. We've got Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, but it this doesn't really move them up anymore for me. What about you,
1: Justin? I actually do think that it moves both of them up a tick for me because I've said things on previous episodes along the lines of, you know, once you get to your fifth or sixth receiver, go ahead and take a flyer on whichever flavor of the week rookie you like the most. If it's Judy, grab Judy. If it's Rugs, grab Ruggs. If it's Ayuk, grab Ayuk. I've actually been taking Ayuk as my preferred rookie in a lot of situations um, just because of the injury to Debo Samuel and what I think is good opportunity for him there. This, this kind of does shift it and maybe reinforce for me that they are going to be the options for Vegas, right? Like, I'm not worried about what type of volume Hunter Renfro's going to get. Like, we know that I think that Josh Jacobs might catch 35 passes this year, and I'm probably way ahead of where everybody else is on that. Um, And neither of us are super high on Darren Waller. So why wouldn't the loss of Williams kind of suggest that both of those rookies are very, very viable plays for us? So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I might want to take a shot on one of them as that last receiver that I grab now at some point. Yeah, but
0: you're still taking them as wide receiver fives, and I guess that's my point.
1: Sure. It's just before they were like a wide receiver five that I wasn't even quite ready to pull the trigger on. Sure. Now I think they've moved into that conversation where I really, really want them, especially because, like, the one rookie that I was really all about was Jalen Rager, but...
0: Yeah, moving on to our next piece of news, the Eagles. Well, they're just basically being the Eagles and everybody's getting injured again. We've got Andre Dillard, who's supposed to be their left tackle for the season. He's now gone for the season. Now we've got Jason Peters, who came back to the Eagles to play left guard after Brandon Brooks got injured. Now he's going to move back over to left tackle, which is his normal position. Then we had Wentz, who got hurt, and he's been day-to-day with a lower body injury. While he was out... We had Jalen Hurd in as quarterback. He threw an interception on that interception. Jalen Rager went to make a tackle and hurt his upper body. Now he's weak to week, and he could miss the beginning of the season. Uh, there's so much going on here with the Eagles. I mean, obviously it moves down Jalen Rager a bit. I don't know how much because it was always kind of a high potential late round pick anyways, but does all this do anything else for you in regards to the, to the Philly offense?
1: It's just frustrating Like you said, just it's the Eagles being the Eagles, I guess. Like, they must have looked at the calendar and realized, you know, like, all right, it's about time for week one, so let's go cut our roster in half and see what's left standing on the other side of it. And it's not good news from a fantasy perspective in any way, shape, or form. Like, now I'm worried about Miles Sanders a little bit and if he's going to get overworked and how productive he's going to be when he has to run the ball. Between the tackles, like, what in the world is going to happen with Wentz? Is it going to be long-term? Like, now I have to keep an eye on Rager. it's, It's a shame that it's going that way because in a perfect world, like, I'm excited about Sanders, and I would love to have Rager, and I'd love to have Wentz as a good late quarterback option. And now there's significant question marks about just all of them.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'm moving anyone down my ranks. I think I'm more just, like, using it as a tiebreaker now. If I'm deciding between a guy on the Eagles and someone else, and it's neck and neck, this might be
1: enough to make me pick the other guy. I I agree with that. I think that's a good way to look at it.
0: Our next piece of news is that Joe Mixon has signed a four-year extension with the Bengals. I actually, you know, didn't realize that there was any sort of contract dispute until somewhat recently that it was coming out that Joe Mixon was missing time due to quote migraines, which I think everybody then kind of saw through is that he was trying to renegotiate a, a contract, but it's now a done deal. Does this make you like Joe Mixon more than some other guys in such a season of uncertainty?
1: Uh, it doesn't. It. I, I had him behind the Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones tier. I had him behind Josh Jacobs. I'm not moving him ahead of any of those guys just because he's got an extension and I'm not really dropping him further behind or out of a tie with people like Drake and Sanders because of this news. Um, I'm just very curious. I've, I've had migraines throughout my life as well. So I, I guess I, I kind of want to take stock of what a four-year contract extension does to those reoccurring migraines.
0: Huh. I agree with you that I'm not changing anything based on this. i I still feel the same way I did before about Joe Mixon and that he's never been used the way that we think that he should be used for someone of his talent and doesn't get involved enough in the passing game. And I don't believe this changes anything. In fact, I think I even heard a report recently where uh, the Bengals did talk up Giovanni Bernard again and say how he's going to be involved in the passing game just as much. And, you know, Joe Mixon's ceiling is kind of capped.
1: Yeah, I I agree. So, I mean, he is where he is in those rankings for a reason, which is a very decent and wonderful early to mid second round pick that you're hoping you could get even a little more out of than that.
0: Moving on to another running back, we've got a lot of interesting news that has come out about Alvin Kamara very recently. First, it started where the report came out that he turned out he had three unexcused absences from practice and then the rumor started flowing that it was contract-related. Then today, we had a report come out where the Saints supposedly said that they would be okay with trading Alvin Kamara. Then we have Adam Schefter come out with a report saying that he talked talked to Alvin Kamara himself and Alvin Kamara's agent, and they had said that they never threatened to hold out, and they had planned to be at practice tomorrow, and they've been in the building every day. And then Tom Pellicero comes out and reports that Khmer apparently mispracticed due to an epidural shot in his back and was playing on being a bit practiced tomorrow and that the two sides were actually very close to an extension before all of this came out. I think at the end of this, it's kind of just all noise. Once everything has come out, I kind of just feel indifferent towards all of it, though I will, sle- will say that the epidural shot is somewhat concerning. Because that is a temporary fix for a pain that he's having. So it makes me wonder what's really happening. What
1: do you think? That's very interesting about the shot in particular. I didn't realize that aspect of it till right now. Um, I think it's really bad. It seems like they're playing chicken. And any time that I've been looking at a guy who's in that situation, it never seems to work out. So this this has given me a huge pause for concern here. So um, I think we can say pretty candidly that you and I had discussed, you know, Kamara as like option four or five after the big three of running backs there at the top of the draft, and now you and I in particular were looking at whether or not he even belonged in in the top eight, nine, ten after this particular news, uh, and that was prior to learning about the portion of this that was epidural shot related. So I think you really, really, really now have to question if you want to invest in Alvin Kamara as a first-round pick. Ask yourself, what's your team going to look like if he doesn't play, or worse, if he plays every week and it's just ineffective? Um, I also think there's maybe a level of this that makes me skittish in a way that i am a prisoner of the moment and i like you have been talking about how much we were going to get out of leonard fournette because the jaguars are just going to use and abuse him and then poof all of a sudden he's cut and now irrelevant and it just reinforces for me that teams don't care about their running backs They don't care about Alvin Kamara or how talented he is. Like if it becomes that much of a distraction and that much of an issue, who's to say that he's not Leonard Fournette next week. And that's really, really late then right before the season starts. And it it makes me very, very, very nervous that I'm going to take this guy in a draft that I have this week and then find out next week that he is not available or is limited or worse. Like he's in pain and the team is mad at him and he's mad at the team So, you know, they're going to dress him and play out the last year of his contract, but he's only going to see a few touches a game. And that, I don't know what to do with that. So it's just question marks from every angle that I look at this and none of it, none of it makes me feel good about his situation right now.
0: For me, I'm basically holding Pat right now until tomorrow. We're recording this on Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. He's supposed to report to practice on Wednesday. I want to see what happens tomorrow before I have any real reaction to this because there's been there's so much to this that I like, I I like have to have some clarification. I think we're going to get some tomorrow, but like you mentioned, Leonard Fournette has been released and I think is actually a pretty surprising move, even with everything that happened between the two sides this off season where the Jaguars were trying to trade him during the draft and they weren't able to get it done. And then we kind of felt like, well, they're just going to run him to the ground now since they weren't able to get anything for him. I think it's pretty surprising that they just released him. They said they couldn't get anything for him, but I, I'll i be honest, I find that hard to believe that they couldn't get, at least get a seventh-round pick for Leonard Fournette. Maybe this is contract-related, and I'm not uh, well-versed enough in contracts to know if teams weren't willing to trade for him because it would be so much cheaper to just sign him off the market than trading a seventh-round pick. Now, if you visit the JWB Fancy Football website, you can see that I actually wrote an article on this where it kind of goes over my full thoughts on what happened. But, Justin, I want you to give everything you have to say on this.
1: Well, I am absolutely shocked by it because I, like you, don't understand why they wouldn't just keep him and run him into the ground. I could have sworn that waving him caused the same cap hit.
0: That may be true. In I'm like- not I'm not positive
1: right I, and i'm not either and i also wonder like and what does that matter like it's not like the jaguars are going out to use any remaining cap I, space to do I, I anything do know, with it
0: i do know it was only four million dollars so it's not much
1: yeah so even that like what why like you they have that much faith in what's his name armstead, armstead they, that chris can't thompson. be the reason yeah but see like you and i are on the same page that yeah. chris thompson like is who he is right Like, Chris Thompson's not going to have 15 carries for 125 yards. And, oh, by the way, he caught six passes for 75 yards. Like, that's not the Chris Thompson we're going to get right now. And if anything, you know what, and I guess here's a word of caution now that I have this on my mind, like, don't be a fool if that's what you got out of Chris Thompson in week one and week two. There's every chance that Chris Thompson has a very good – Week yeah. one, week he's two, and people it. start freaking out, right? Like that, Chris Thompson might be the guy this year. Where there's that one dude in every league that goes out with like the 100 fake dollars in his free right, agent right. auction budget, and is like 58 bucks on Chris Thompson week one. I'm going to start him every week, and then by week three, he's on the shelf for the rest of the year, and you can't get any more free agents. So I, I think you and I both think Armstead is the more likely candidate to produce at a higher clip than what his draft value is, because you're probably not going to have to invest much of anything to get Armstead, right? Like 10th, 11th, 12th round pick on him and see what happens. Like I had mentioned last week when we were doing like the boom bust, mover episode, that part of the reason that I had really liked Antonio Gibson is that he was what I thought was the last running back that you could take that was bound to see over 10 touches a game. I think Armstead now becomes that guy. I think Armstead is the guy that you can take the latest in the draft who ought to have his hands on the ball a minimum of 10 times per game. And you should be able to get him in the 10th round or later. So I really like that. But just their approach with Fournette is very, very, very interesting here. Like I said with Kamara, it reinforces that teams do not care about their running back positions. And that is just a shame from uh it, it really is from like a fantasy perspective that makes you appreciate the talent of running backs i just find it to be a shame
0: it, it, it makes me happy when you see contracts like christian mccaffrey and zeke when they got paid yeah. because that doesn't happen anymore and these guys you know put their body on the line more so than really any other position
1: yeah and it's like the risk that they take on their bodies has negatively reflect reflected how teams view their contractual situations and that's a shame right. um so quick lightning round then before we get into the mock draft, who where's he going?
0: I don't think there's a situation where there's any clarity if he goes there. I
1: really? don't think there's a
0: single team where he could go and you could be like, oh, this this is what I think it's going to be like. I honestly think the best situation for him is the Bears because of the injury to Dave Montgomery, where you know oh, he's God. the guy to at least start out, and we don't know how bad things could be for Montgomery because it's a groin injury, and those are easily. Uh, re-aggravated the other interesting one is Kansas City after they lost Damian Williams Leonard Fournette would be a very good counterpoint to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and the last one I think is a good possibility is the Patriots
1: that's the one that gets my attention so I I would love Fournette to just walk in and start getting all the touches in the Patriots backfield I'd trust that I think the
0: Patriots are the team where it's the most open for him to come be the guy but the Patriots are a team who you know, really mess with fantasy owners on a week-to-week basis when it comes to their running backs. So even there, I'm still a little
1: bit apprehensive about it. I'm, I, I mean, I would want no part of him in Chicago. That does make me really nervous that both he and Montgomery and then Cohen are all just going to become a wash. And we can't have that with as much talk as we put into Montgomery in the past month and a half. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, no matter where he
0: signs, if he does sign before the season, it's just messy. I think what's best for him and obviously for us fantasy owners is that he does not sign prior to the season and he actually waits for the inevitable injury to a team to happen and he can come off
1: the street and, start, and be the guy for a team. That's what I think is going to happen. Like the Marshawn Lynch situation. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Moving on to
0: our mock draft, we're going to do a PPR mock draft. On Fantasy Pros, we're actually going to be each drafting this time. We're going to take two separate sides of the draft so we can get a different perspective. Justin's going to be picking at four. I'm going to be picking at 10. The draft has started. The first three, as usual, McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott. Justin's on the clock.
1: Yeah, I mean, this I, I had every intention of starting out with Alvin Kamara, especially in a draft that's going to reward me with a point for every catch, but being as we're kind of in play it as it lies mode here with Alvin Kamara, I can't in good conscience take him for this draft. So uh, it, it it would kind of line up really well then to look at a guy like Dalvin Cook who's got his own question mark. Uh, maybe a guy like Derrick Henry, but as I have told you before, Wyatt, like I give Henry just a little bit of a knock in – full PPR drafts. And that makes me a little nervous as well. So are you um, thinking Michael Thomas? Yeah, I am. So I'm going to take Michael Thomas here uh, because I view him as the most reliable, safe pick that I could get at number four. And I think it'll be very interesting to kind of give everybody a look at how much I am scrambling to fill in the running back position. Since I am about to eschew a running back, picking fourth overall so i'm going to be left with whatever that works out to i think it's pick 16 or 17 on the back end right um where i'm going to have to try and make up for the fact that everybody else besides me is going to have some semblance of a reliable running back one and i'm going to be piecing together a couple of two so uh, i'll go michael thomas here i do think that makes some sense with the
0: with the question marks we have on the running backs available here So after Michael Thomas was taken, we had Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, and now I'm up on the board. And honestly, I think this is pretty easy for me at this point. We got Clyde Hilaire on the board, who is, I think, going to be a PPR monster this year. A lot of hype behind him. I'm surprised he's still on the board at this point. And then I'm going to stick with my guy, who I know is not seen as being – someone you should take at this point in the draft but I'm a believer in Nick Chubb I think he's gonna have a big year this year I think he could very well finish the top five even in PPR because I think people are overselling what Kareem Hunt could be in the offense because number one it's a different offense with Kevin Stefanski number two I don't think the Browns can rely on Kareem Hunt because he's walking after this year and because of his legal troubles, he could be suspended at any point if he ever gets in trouble again. And I think Nick Chubb is the better player. So I'm going to stick to my guns and take Nick Chubb here.
1: So that's good. Now we got to go through and look at who's going to get picked after these picks. But I'm hoping that because there's going there should, should hopefully be some sort of run on receivers that I'm able to find Josh Jacobs uh, or Joe Mixon here for myself at some point. So after
0: I took Nick Chubb, we had DeAndre Hopkins, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, and it's back up at Justin. And it looks like your guy is sitting there for
1: you. Yeah, he is, but I'm not going to take him. What are you going to do here? Uh, I mean, I love Josh Jacobs. And I I would be remiss if I didn't go by the board in this situation. Um, So we have Aaron Jones ahead of Josh Jacobs for a reason. Uh, and since I already have Michael Thomas on the board, there's no reason I can't take Aaron Jones. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make that pick and I'm going to hope that now, since there are still some decent running back candidates available, that I'm able to get a very, very high quality two, uh, that I can pair with Aaron Jones. But we have what is essentially a, a first round grade on Aaron Jones at the round one. So for me to be able to pluck him out here at this position, I think is fantastic. All right, Justin, why don't you tell me about the guys who went in between your two picks here? Sure. So after my pick of Aaron Jones, Josh Jacob goes. James Conner goes far earlier than anyone should ever take him in round two. And then Travis Kelsey and Julio Jones go on the turn to the person who had picked first overall. So that's an interesting combination of Christian McCaffrey, Julio Jones, and Travis Kelsey. It's
0: pretty Uh, good.
1: Yeah, Kittle goes, and then Mahomes goes, and I'm back up on the clock. So here, if I'm thinking quarterback, it would be Lamar Jackson. But in the early stages of the third round, when I have major questions at the running back position, I can't take a quarterback. Uh, Both Kittle and Kelsey are off the board, so I don't have to pay any attention at all to tight end at this point. Um, So for me, it just becomes a question of who is the best available player The answer to that is very, very clearly Chris Godwin at this point. Uh, In my opinion, Chris Godwin should have got picked a while ago, uh, maybe right after that Josh Jacobs pick, actually. Um, So James Conner, Travis Kelsey should not be ahead of Chris Godwin. Uh, Julio Jones fell significantly, but I think he is easily the best player that is at this position. But I do have to ask myself, do I – go against that pick of a second wide receiver since I know that the running backs are going to go off a cliff here. And am I I going to take another guy that I'm extremely high on in Todd Gurley and lock Todd Gurley in as my second running back here instead? So um, ultimately I think that since we're doing this in a mock environment where we're looking to maybe learn a little bit about how bad things get at running back, I'm going to go with best overall player, which on my board would be Chris Godwin. So I'm going to find myself in a very interesting situation here that I think many people who listen to the show put themselves in, which is I want to go running back, I want to go running back, but the wide receiver value is just so high that now I'm sitting on Aaron Jones with Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin and I'm really going to have to scramble for some running backs here at some point.
0: Yeah, I think Chris Godwin at the 304 is just too high a value to pass up. I think you just have to take him and figure out what you do with your second running back. After you took Chris Godwin, we had DJ Moore, Lamar Jackson, Leonard Fournette, Kenny Galladay, Melvin Gordon. Uh, So I'm back on the clock at 310. This one's going to be pretty simple for me. I start off with two running backs. I'm going to move on to two wide receivers. My number nine and number 10 wide receivers are on the board. Mike Evans and Odell Beckham. I'm snatching them up and I'm feeling really good
1: about my start. Yeah. Those are great picks to be able to have at this particular position. Who's your top four now? So now I'm looking
0: at CEH, Nick Chubb, Mike Evans, and Odell Beckham. Okay. So after I took Odell Beckham, we had Alvin Robinson, Robert Woods, Adam Thielen, Todd Gurley, Amari Cooper, you're back up on the clock, and I think you kind of lucked out a little bit that there was a heavy amount of wide receivers that went in between your two
1: picks. There was a run on wide receivers. It's just a shame that ultimately what it what it did was, was drop Todd Gurley, which is really the one that I was interested in getting at that position. So although I didn't really have a lot of faith that Todd Gurley was somehow going to come back to me at 407, the fact that he was there at 405 stings a bit. Um, right. So now – Now we're in a situation that I have dreaded the whole time, which is I hate everyone. Uh, I do not like Chris Carson. I want no part of him because we're talking about a second running back. So the person that I'm about to take, I must play week in, week out. And I can't rely on that to be Chris Carson this year. Uh, It's even worse for Lavian Bell. Uh, David Johnson, I find to be intriguing here at this particular pick. If I'm forced to play a guy every single week, that's one that maybe I can stomach doing that with. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Mark Ingram and Kareem Hunt are the next guys that are out there. And none of those guys are guys that I can rely on week to week. So the problem that we have here is that I have two great wide receivers in that this is the point in the draft where I would now be snatching David Montgomery to make him my number two. The injury has kind of now prevented that. And in a normal draft, we would also not have let had we would not have had Leonard Fournette picked this high. So you can almost say that another one of these running backs ought not be on the board for me right now. So again, we're in a really weird position where I could go David Johnson, but I don't necessarily love that. I'm not going to be overly confident with my team having David Johnson here. So I I really, really, really think that grabbing a flex wide receiver that I'm very, very, very happy with uh, would be wise here. I also think that this might be a great spot for Mark Andrews where I would see extraordinary value out of getting him at 407. Um, Just to pick your brain a little bit, I I would say out of the wide receivers that are available, Juju, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown – um Ridley's the guy that I believe I'm highest on at this point
0: I I am as well I I would have a really hard time passing on Calvin Ridley at this point I think even though you're light on running back I think if I'm in your position I'm just continuing to take best value and figure out that second running back position later if you start out you know with Michael Thomas Chris Godwin Calvin Ridley I mean my god who's beating your
1: receivers Well, I mean, really nobody. And it's very, very interesting as well, I think, that we will just be loaded up on that division for better or for worse, huh? I see on the JWB rankings where Ridley is slotted in at 29 overall, which is quite a bit higher than Mark Andrews, who's back at 48. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick by the board, and I'm going to – really, really go against my own advice here. And I'm going to add Calvin Ridley. So just as a recap, I have Aaron Jones. So who knows what type of regression I'm going to see. I still have no second running back, but I will be sitting on Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley at a PPR draft.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, I think you're doing the right thing.
1: All right. So let me give you a little rundown before I make my second pick here. Uh, after Ridley, it's Juju, then Cooper cup, then Chris Carson. Deshaun Watson comes off the board first pick in the fifth round, then AJ Brown and Zach Ertz. So I'm still sitting on Mark Andrews here as an extremely good tight end option who I would be taking in the middle of the fifth round now, which I think is really, really, really interesting. The running back situation has now created what would be even more value for David Johnson So I actually think as much as I'd love to have Andrews and as much as I would love to have Dak Prescott, who I'm so high on this year, the fact that I am getting very nervous about my running back position is going to push me towards David Johnson here. Um, The good news is that whereas I may have not felt great about taking him in the fourth round, I am able to snatch him here in the fifth round. So the fact that I'm getting a guy that I was looking at uh, about a full round earlier makes me feel good about the prospects of my team since i'm now going to get aaron jones to go with david johnson and i'm rocking every quality receiver in the uh, nfc south for my receiving core
0: yeah so mark andrews went actually right after you picked then dj shark Dak prescott darren waller kyler murray again i'm pretty pumped here as tyler lockett has fallen down to me who's my number 31 player overall so I'm ecstatic to see him here to be able to put in my flex my only issue is what am I going to do with my second pick from here I'm not really sure which direction I want to go maybe I can take a quarterback I'm a fan of Russell Wilson though it's slightly earlier than I would like to take him Le'Veon Bell is there not in love basically if I take a skill position it's just a bench spot I could go DK Metcalf, who I don't think will make it back to me, but I'm pretty high on, but I also just took Tyler Lockett, so I, I can't really go DK Metcalf. I could take David Montgomery since I no longer need him, and uh, I could let him sit on the bench for someone who we think pretty highly of. That's an interesting pick in this scenario. I think You're I'm right. Do... You're not committed to him at this point. I think I'm going to do something that I actually did in the draft that we spoke of last week and that I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor here because he has a massive upside and I don't need him to start out the season. He's This is the proper spot for me to take Jonathan Taylor where you don't have to start him, but he could be worth so much. After I took Jonathan Taylor, we had Cortland Sutton come off the board, Russell Wilson, Keenan Allen, Devontae Parker, Tom Brady in the sixth round. That one's an interesting one. And that leads up to your pick, Justin. What are you thinking?
1: Well, I'm thinking that it would be nice to have another high-value wide receiver who could become an injury and bye week fill-in for the team that I have started with because I am very, very heavy on picking up a ton of points out of the wide receiver position to make me win games. So... One thing I'd really like to do in this position is to get a fourth receiver Um, because I do know that like my path to victory on this team is to accumulate a lot of points and a lot of receptions from my three receivers. So if I pick up an injury from one of those guys or during bye weeks, I need someone who can be a really good fill in. Now, whereas you could not take DK Metcalf because you had just taken Tyler Lockett. I'm not in that position. So I think Metcalf as a injury and bye week fill-in would be really good for my team here. Um, it would also be nice as well to have a third running back who can make sure that I'm not running into uh, just a complete disaster in that particular avenue there. So uh, if it's wide receiver, it would be DK Metcalf who has no bye weeks that line up with any of my guys. If it's running back now, I think we're in a very interesting scenario because here I do actually see a little bit of value in Levy and Bell. We're at pick 607 at this point. Now I think maybe I can take Levy and Bell and if he is having good high point games in predictable matchups, I, I, maybe I do use him ahead of David Johnson in a few scenarios here and there. Um, I also kind of look at the same situation that you were just in where I could take David Montgomery let him sit on the bench for a couple of weeks and then hope that you know if it works out well and he comes back healthy that he just knocks David Johnson out of my lineup and becomes a very very clear uh, running back too Um, and based on how highly we've spoken of him throughout the season I am actually going to go that way so I'm going to reach down in the rankings a bit and just guarantee that I have a third running back that I'm happy with once he is healthy Uh, and I'm going to add David Montgomery to the running back core of Aaron Jones and David Johnson. After that pick, Terry McLaurin, Josh Allen, T.Y. Hilton, then D.K. Metcalf who very nearly made it back to me anyway, Stefan Diggs and Marquise Brown come off the board. Um, Now I'm still not interested in any tight ends here. Now I noticed that Le'Veon Bell made it back to you here. Are you regretting
0: not taking Le'Veon or taking DK Metcalf and just being able to get Le'Veon Bell on the way back?
1: No, not necessarily because I just don't love Le'Veon Bell. Like I don't even know if I really want him here. He's just one of those guys where I feel like picking him might be burning a pick. In a lot of circumstances. And that's not saying that Le'Veon Bell is going to be useless. It's saying that I am self-aware enough to understand that my negative predisposition to Le'Veon Bell is going to make it hard for me to start him in any given matchup. So I'm almost avoiding him because I don't want to put myself in that position. Um, it, if anything, what I probably did was reach a little too high on David Montgomery. But I have so much faith in him that since I was able to get him as my running back three, I'm happy to just have that solidified. Um, so now we're we're faced with the same situation that if I want to continue to strengthen my running back core, I could once again just go Lavian Bell here, even though I don't love him. Uh, and then he would be my fourth running back, which I do feel really good about. Uh, or we can look at the receiving core. And there are some very interesting names that are still out there. Uh, remember, I'm looking for someone who would be an injury and bi-week player for me to flex at the wide receiver position just so that I'm never looking to play three running backs. And because my team is built around wide receiver strength from what happened earlier, that's a very important pick for me. The fourth wide receiver is massive if your draft is going the way mine is. Uh, And there are very viable Bengals players like A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd who are out there at this position. Uh, Julian Edelman, who I think is going to catch a ton of balls and be very viable in PPR is out there. Marvin Jones, who we've talked a lot about, is still out there. Uh, But lucky for me, my favorite receiver of all time Michael Gallup is out there. (laughs) So I get to go ahead and add him as my fourth receiver, which is fantastic. So now I've got Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, uh, Calvin Ridley, and then the person that will lead the Dallas Cowboys in targets, touchdowns, receptions, all purpose yardage and everything else throughout the season in Michael Gallup next year's second round wide receiver.
0: I I want to applaud you for staying on brand and taking Michael Gallup there, by the way. Thanks. (laughs) So after you took Michael Gallup, we had A.J. Green, Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, and then Le'Veon Bell come off right before me. And now I'm in a spot where I'm not really in love with anything going on. Um, I've got three receivers, three running backs. I'm kind of in a position that I could take whatever I want. Um, I think I'm just going to go with the person who I think has – the highest upside of the people who are left for a skill position. And that's going to be Ronald Jones, who I think has top 15 RB potential this year with Tom Brady getting there and his improvements in his pass blocking and his receiving. And then for my second pick, I'm going to go with a guy that you touched on very briefly, but Marvin Jones, who, we have talked about before, we think very highly of Marvin Jones. He basically plays like a wide receiver too when healthy. As long as you are playing him when you need to be, you're going to get high production out of him. I like having him as a guy that I can just put in whenever I need some help. So I'm going to take Marvin Jones here.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. The way your team is stacking up on the turn is just fantastic at this point. Um, I'm very skeptical of my current draft position. So we'll see see how it goes. Uh, I think now that I know that I've got the three powerful receivers and Thomas Godwin and Ridley, and then Gallup, there is number four that I am back to really looking at the running back position where I have Aaron Jones, David Johnson, and David Montgomery. One issue that I have for myself right now um, is that guys like Cam Akers uh, or like a Deandre Swift type are really difficult here um, because I need someone who I think is going to be reliable on a week-to-week basis, since it's very possible that David Johnson is not good or gets hurt. And since David Montgomery might not be available to me, I need someone who can step in and can be helpful now. So uh, looking at some options that have now come off the board, after you made your pick of Ronald Jones, who would have been perfect for me, DeAndre Swift did come off the board, along with Devin Singletary, Mark Ingram, neither of which I like, Julian Edelman, and Kareem Hunt who would have been interesting here, but still probably not the ideal pick that that I'm looking for. So uh, I'm not really going to go too much into any other positions. There are good names still available at wide receiver like Brandon Cooks. There's a ton of tight ends available. Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higbee. I'm not paying any attention to that position yet. Uh, And because the running backs are such a priority, I don't really want to start worrying about guys like Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz at quarterback either. So um, honing in on that running back position could go Cam Akers. Don't love it. Could go James White. That is a guy who could give me some immediate production. Tyree Cohen is a kind of meh name. Jordan Howard as well. Um, So pretty easily the one that stands out to me here is Raheem Mostert. That is a guy that I think if I'm forced to play him over David Johnson on any given week, I do feel comfortable that he's going to provide me some points and provide me some value. Again, if Mostert can be very good in predictable situations and I'm able to look at my team on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and say the Niners have a great matchup where Mostert should see points, there's a good chance I might want to play him over David Johnson anyway. So with the addition of Raheem Mostert, I now feel very good about my running back core because I honestly think that David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, and David Johnson are all low end running back twos. So instead of getting you know a real clear running back two to go with Aaron Jones, I actually kind of feel like I have a whole bunch of lower to mid tier twos you can kind that of I can it together. piece together. yeah, and that's where we're headed now. So I, I think that kind of fixed my my biggest issue. Um, And then I'm going to have one more pick to make here at 904. Now my ninth pick. Uh, So after I make my selection, Tyreek Cohen, Cam Akers, James White come off the board, on Johnson, Brandon Cooks, and Sterling Shepard come out. So I still don't want to pull the trigger on tight end because no one else has. So there's so many guys who are all almost the exact same guy to me that it's not worth it to start looking there. The quarterback situation is still essentially the same. If I was in love with Matt Ryan, this would be the spot to take him, but I'm not. So I'm okay to just sit back and let that continue uh, to develop. So I'm still just continuing to look for skill position depth, which is my my favorite thing. Um, if I'm looking to go running back here, I have to consider Jordan Howard. I have to consider Phillip Lindsay. Uh, I actually like JK Dobbins more than I like those guys just because now with the addition of Mostert and every week value kind of guy, I could take someone like JK Dobbins and just hope that he hits his ceiling and becomes a running back one for me. Um, So if I'm going to go running back, that's absolutely where I'm headed. As far as wide receiver goes, we're now starting to hit this point of the wide receiver draft where I don't really like anybody. I'm not big on Jamison Crowder, Christian Kirk, Deontay Johnson, or John Brown. I like Anthony Miller, but I don't love Anthony Miller. I like Emmanuel Sanders. I don't love him. I think that Debo Samuel is very interesting here, because once he comes back, he could be an excellent play. Uh, But I know from enough studying this year that the depth of wide receivers, even after all the guys that I mentioned is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so we are in a position here where I think grabbing JK Dobbins because of what could be a very explosive ceiling is, is the way that I want to go.
0: I like the the pick at JK Dobbins a lot. I think, you know, high upside here is what you want at this point in the draft. After you take Dobbins, we see Jameson Crowder, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, John Brown all go off the board. Now I'm on the clock at the 9-10 turn. I'm considering shoring up my lineup with a QB and a tight end here, but I'm seeing some good value at the skill positions that I think I'm going to stick to. The way that QBs and tight ends have fallen, the way we hope and expect them to, I think I can continue to wait there. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to go with two real high upside guys that I don't need at all. I've got four wide receivers, four running backs that I feel great about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Michael Hardman and Antonio Gibson, who are two guys that I think have extremely high ceilings for this year that I don't need right now, but could turn into something great for me.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think those are excellent picks there instead of, forcing yourself to fill out your starting lineup that's one of the things that i dislike the most that people do that they just hit the point where they're like well i have to get a quarterback and tight end so i applaud you for adding guys that i think at some point throughout the year are going to be playable assets for you
0: yeah so after i took antonio gibson we see philip Lindsay, matt breeda jordan howard evan ingram and latavius murray go off the board what are you thinking at this point justin
1: Yeah, so I think looking at the current layout, right, I feel good about the running back position. Aaron Jones, David Johnson, Montgomery is going to sit on my bench to get healthy. J.K. Dobbins is behind him, and then Raheem Mostert is there to be used right away as well. Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, I'm looking to play every single week. Michael Gallup is there as a fill-in. I can afford to take one more running back, and one more wide receiver on this team. But there are a lot of guys later at both positions that I don't think I need to make a move on right now. So here for the first time is where I see value in the quarterback and tight end positions. There are so many tight ends that are out there at this point that I can't really differentiate one from another unless I want to call a shot on Higby, and I'm not ready to do that. The quarterback pool, however, still has Matt Ryan in it, and I'm happy to add him to this particular team because I have Calvin Ridley. So I'm going to put myself in the position to where Ridley's touchdowns will double up with the Matt uh, Ryan-Calvin Ridley combo. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So after Matt Ryan, we've got Marlon Mack, Tevin Coleman, Emmanuel Sanders – Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, and then the San Francisco defense comes off the board. Now, I'm starting to feel a lot more comfortable about Higby. And part of the reason for that is because I know that tight ends have been so lacking in this particular draft that I can take Higby here, feel good about it, and if I still want to grab Gronk or Johnu Smith later to make them a viable number two, I can easily do that. So because I think that Higby might really just burst onto the scene as something special this year, something you and I have alluded to in a lot of other episodes, I'm going to go ahead and put Higby on this roster as well.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. After you took Tyler Higby, we saw Drew Brees, Keyshawn Vaughn, Hayden Hurst, Aaron Rodgers, Jack Doyle go off the board. Fortunately, you know, I, I decided to wait to take QB and tight end to this point and of course we see a good amount of each of those positions go off the board so now I'm looking to see who I'm going to take here luckily tight end wise we still have some great picks available I'm going to take someone who I'm much higher on than the nor- the rest of the industry and that's Hunter Henry who I believe will be very successful in the Chargers offense because Tyrod Taylor does love his tight end Really, all I need to do now is figure out my QB. And I think what I'm going to do is take a shot on Cam Newton because I feel so good about my team that I want to take Cam Newton, who could be a top five QB again, if everything goes right. And if that happens, I don't know you know, what team's beating me at this point. And if things don't work out, no big deal. He's my 12th round pick. I can, you know, pick someone up out of free agency. I'm not going to worry about it too much. After I took Cam Newton, we saw Janu Smith, CD Lamb, TJ Hawkinson, Zach Moss, Darius Slayton go off the board. Justin, you're up with our last three picks. Who are you taking with this one?
1: I'm not going to lie, that hurts, man. That one got me right right in the gut there. So Janu Smith coming off the board is horrendous. That would have been the pick. Uh, C.D. Lamb is probably my favorite wide receiver to get at this position even with Michael Gallup I would have been happy to do that I I love Zach Moss at running back and I love Darius Slayton and PPR so I just lost a lot of guys that I really would be looking at at this particular position, um, I do want to go back to skill positions since I feel good about Higby and I feel good about Matt Ryan. Um, The Fantasy Pro's board tells me that Duke Johnson is the pick here. I can't really go along with that. I actually think Raquel Armstead, who I think is going to be the guy who benefits most from Fournette not being there, is a really interesting running back pick in this position. As far as wide receiver is concerned, I could really use one um, just because from looking at it here, I know that during the week 10 bye week, I'm going to lose both Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, uh, but I'm also going to lose Michael Gallup. So at this current point, I would actually be having to flex one of my running backs during that week 10 bye, and that's not something that I I want to get into. So um, let's go ahead and go down that road. Let's go to rankings and let's look specifically at wide receivers. Uh, Anthony Miller. I, I do like a lot in this particular position, but. I'd like to maybe grab someone who could just burst onto the scene with a massive, massive ceiling. Um, And I know that there's a ton of talk about that being Judy. I know that rugs, especially after what I said with Tyrell Williams earlier is viable. Jalen Rager, despite his injury is a good pick at this position, but I'm going to grab Justin Jefferson here because I think that just the way that I expect that Minnesota offense to function that Jefferson has a very, very good chance in PPR drafts to come in and catch a lot of balls and potentially see some red zone targets as well when defenses are, are looking to lock down Thielen. Um, so as far as a guy who might be able to challenge someone like Calvin Ridley for a spot at some point, Justin Jefferson is a guy that I kind of have been getting higher and higher on throughout the draft process. What do you think of him?
0: I really like Justin Jefferson going into the offseason when he got drafted by the Vikings because he had such a, you know, clear path to targets. I am worried that there have been some reports that he hasn't been playing that well in camp, but if he comes on at all, you're right that he he could be in line for a a very heavy workload.
1: Yeah. Um, Not a lot to report in between my picks here before I came back up on the clock, just, Austin Hooper, Daryl Henderson, some defenses and some things that have come off. So uh, nothing that I'm, I'm too worried about there in, in that particular position. Um, so he, here's going to be my approach now. I've got – running backs and receivers that I'm, I'm very happy with i'm five deep at each of those positions so i feel like i'm ready to go there uh i do think i maybe need to shore up either the quarterback or the tight end position i don't love that i have lost Johnu smith now i don't love that austin hooper has come off the board so some of the guys that i've located as good backup tight ends are not there for me and we're starting to get low on roster spots so i have not been overly sold In Matt Ryan at any point, I'd like to have someone on my team that I feel like I can pivot to if things do not go the way that I want them to go with Matt Ryan. So looking at the quarterback board that we have available, I'm going to go ahead and go past Daniel Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, who is now the guy that ate old Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, all these wonderful names. I'm gonna go I think I know go where you're going to go ahead and cast all of those guys to take my guy Gardner Minshew before you have an opportunity <laughs> to do so. Uh, so we'll go ahead and lock him in there as the, the backup quarterback on this roster.
0: I'll be honest, when I took Cam Newton, I thought about calling my shot and taking Minshew there as my QB1.
1: Well, you have to, or you really have to consider if you're going to take Cam Newton, that Gardner Minshew be your number two. Um, now I will say, as you're starting to come back up on the clock here, that I do think getting a second quarterback is a very good option for you. But if I am drafting Cam Newton as early as you did, I'm probably looking for a very safe option like a Ryan Tannehill.
0: You're right that I was looking for another quarterback here because uh, Cam Newton is a risk. I do want to say real quick about Gardner Minshew. Something we didn't even talk about when we talked about Leonard Fournette earlier is that what if this means the Jags throw the ball even more than we are I know.
1: Well, I think they have to.
0: Right. Gardner Minshew may end up being like the Jameis Winston of this year, except probably better because he doesn't need eye surgery like Jameis Winston did. So now, like you said, I'm looking for another QB and I think you, you know, you kind of pegged my pick for me. And that's someone that we like a little bit more than everyone else that we think is a pretty safe QB on a week to week basis. And that's Ryan Tannehill. So I'm going to go ahead and lock that one in and then try and decide what I'm going to do with this last pick of mine. We're doing 14 rounds. We're not doing kickers and defenses really. Cause those picks don't matter so much. We wanted to go through and see how this was going to look for all the other positions. So I feel really good about who I have at my skill positions. I shored up QB so that I made sure I have somebody on a week to week basis. I think I want to take another tight end to shore that up as well. Just in case Hunter Henry doesn't work out this year, or if maybe he injury bug creeps back up, I'm going to go with who I think is the number two receiver in Philly. And that's Dallas Goddard. We saw it last year when they had all the injuries in their wide receiver core Dallas Goddard was an actual tight end one last year. I think that happens again, and I think there's actually two tight end ones
1: on Philly again this year. Yeah, I don't necessarily mind that pick there. I don't love it, but I think you you did a good job of shoring up your roster. So uh, I'm going to run through it real quick. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Nick Chubb are going to step in as running backs for you. Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, and Tyler Lockett are going to fill your wide receiver and slot positions. You're going to run out Cam Newton at quarterback with Hunter Henry at tight end. Jonathan Taylor, Ronald Jones, and Antonio Gibson are going to cover your running back slots. Marvin Jones and McCole Hardman are going to cover your wide receiver spots with Ryan Tannehill as your backup quarterback. Dallas Goddard is your backup tight end. How are you feeling? I, I feel extremely good
0: about this, this draft. I, I, I think my QBs and tight ends might be the worst in the league, but I think that's because of the strength of my running backs and wide receivers, which is where I think I would, I would win this league is the, 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 the powerful guys that I have, you know, in those, I think those top like seven, eight rounds for me went so well that I think I can handle, you know, taking the risks at QB and tight end. Now, Justin, you've got your last pick up here. Why don't you make
1: that pick and let me know about your team. Sure. So again, I went very, wide receiver heavy based on where I was picking in the draft. So I'm going to run out Aaron Jones and David Johnson as my two running backs with Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver and flex positions. I'm going to run Matt Ryan out at quarterback and Tyler Higby at tight end. To cover my running back positions, I'll have David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, and J.K. Dobbins, which I'm thrilled about. And to cover my wide receiver positions, I'm going to have Michael Gallup and Justin Jefferson to step in as needed. I feel good about those picks as well. Uh, Gardner Minshew is going to be my backup to Matt Ryan, and Rob Gronkowski is going to be my backup to Tyler Higbee. Very interesting that I'm able to grab Gronk as the last – tight end selected in this draft and in round 14 uh there is every chance honestly if things go really well that Rob Gronkowski might even jump ahead of Michael Gallup as a guy who would be in my flex position at some point if needed let alone surpass Tyler Higby. so uh, considering that I never ever ever want to start a draft by taking three players that aren't running back in the first four I feel pretty good about how all of this ended up in the end. Um, I don't necessarily love, right? I think like you had said, your weaknesses are at quarterback and tight end. I don't feel that that's the case for me. I think Ryan and Higby are really good middle tier options and the backups that I have behind them and Minshew and Gronk are ridiculously good for what value they offer. I think my bench depth is the biggest issue for this team. And that's the reason why I don't like to go wide receiver early Because I I think you're right. Like, I think it's very powerful to have Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Calvin Ridley. But I don't love that David Johnson is my number two. Like I said, I think it's very interesting that I have David Johnson, David Montgomery, and Raheem Mostert, a whole bunch of, like, low-end two-type guys to be in that position. But I don't love any of them, especially now that Montgomery has had that injury. And as high as I am on Michael Gallup, I don't necessarily love that Michael Gallup and Justin Jefferson are my bench depth at tight end. So I think I have a very, very good starting lineup. I think it gets a little bit weak after that, but overall I think we both have extraordinarily strong teams in these circumstances.
0: I, st- I still think that you did the proper thing in your position by going with the value at wide receiver that was available for you and taking spots at running back when you were able to, I think you'll be able to find a RB two out of the guys you have. So I, I still think you had a good draft.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think overall it looks pretty good. Um, So, uh, you know, there's a hundred different ways to do this, but that's the reason why we do mock drafts and why we practice this way. I just think it's really interesting to highlight for people what happens if you pick number four and you know, you're not getting one of those top three guys, especially if this Alvin Kamara new starts to get worse. So you know be prepared if you want to take michael thomas at pick number four you're you're in for quite a wild ride putting your your team together i also think it's very interesting to show people here that even if you're drafting at the end of the draft like pick 10 you're going to come out of it with quite a good team if you play your cards correctly
0: yeah you know that's why we do these mock drafts and we do as many of them as we can because you learn so much from doing them to help you prepare yourself for your drafts Everyone make sure to join us next week as we're going to be doing a lead-in for week one of the NFL season. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Make sure to go check out our new our new website, jwbfantasyfootball.com, where you can get all of our updates, articles, rankings, projections. Come chat with us on Twitter. I'm at Wyatt B underscore FF. Justin's at J Will underscore FF. The show's at JWB underscore FF. And we'll see you next time. As always, thanks for listening. I'm not the one